0: Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and welcome to this edition of Healthcare Consumerism Radio, brought to you by the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and joining me in studio today is uh, Editorial Director Jonathan Field. Good morning, Jonathan. Good
1: morning, Brent. How are you doing today? Hey,
0: good. So you're off to uh, Birmingham later this weekend, right?
1: Yep. Making
0: the quick drive over tomorrow. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I got a great program today for everybody. And, uh, I know you got some interesting news around, uh, the newest issue that, that just came out, uh, our, July August issue of Healthcare Consumerism Solutions and Healthcare Exchange Solutions, and we're going to get a little bit more into that uh, later in this segment on news and views. But wanted to kind of give everybody a heads up on uh, who's coming up on the program today. I'd like to do that just to make sure everyone knows kind of what's ahead. But uh, joining us in the next segment is going to be Jim Preby, who is the COO of Bloom Health, and pretty sure everybody knows a lot about Bloom Health in the marketplace. They're one of the first. Um, you know private exchange platforms in this marketplace and what jim's really going to focus on are private exchanges and the emergence of specialty benefit offerings um within those exchanges and I, I think jonathan as we talk you know internally in the office that's that's a big piece of these yeah. exchanges
1: absolutely i mean just the the term voluntary benefits takes on a whole nother meaning when you're talking about this private exchange landscape.
0: Right, and what what can be offered in these exchanges and, and you know, what the carriers uh, of the voluntary benefits, what, what are they trying to do along with the exchanges to get these offerings onto their platforms? And so that's going to be the first segment, Jim Preby, COO of Bloom Health. The uh, next segment following Jim is going to be Eric Wrench. He's the the president and COO of Code Six Four, and he's been on the program before. Um, we wanted to bring him back to really elaborate further on what they do, and they really help the uh, benefit advisors out there. And and that's what um, Code 64 is doing, is helping the benefit advisors kind of adapt to this changing marketplace. And what he's really going to look at is benefit advisors and 2014 open enrollment, which is, which is very key. I think if you look, you know, going back to – Jim's piece with private exchanges looking at the brokers and what they're looking at with open enrollment. Private exchanges um, are going to play in a role in open enrollment, but there's some other things that that play a role in uh, upcoming open enrollment that Eric will focus on. And for the uh, last segment, it will be David Lindgren, and he is the compliance officer for Flexible Benefit Service Corporation. Um, And David, you know, is – i think he's been on the program before um we have definitely had members of flex on the program before. a great company out of uh, the chicago area he's really going to focus on private exchanges for niche markets which is very interesting and where the private exchanges can um thrive in specific niche markets so very interesting program coming up and Absolutely. uh hope everybody stays with us to to get some good insight from these three upcoming guests but um Jonathan, you've been working really hard on uh, the newest issue. Kind of give give the audience a feel for what's in there.
1: Yeah, thanks, Brent. So <clears throat> our July-August issue, uh, and that's Healthcare Consumerism Solutions and the accompanying Healthcare Exchange Solutions supplement, uh, those will be available on our website uh, later this afternoon. The official release will actually be early next week, but if you go to the IHCC.com, Click the publications tab. You'll see it under there later this afternoon. And, you know, given the theme of today's program, delving into really the private exchange space, the growth with this upcoming open enrollment period, I really want to talk about this month's exchange solutions. So let's get into that a little bit. And, you know, we talked about David Lindgren, the you know, Flexible Benefit Service Corporation. They're operating the Insurex. Solutions platform. And David's going to be talking about private exchanges for niche markets today. And <clears throat> Shandon Fowler actually wrote a great piece for this magazine about kind of the whole workforce strategy of exchange solutions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've seen this trend emerging over the past probably nine months. I think Mercer was probably one of the first companies. To announce that they were incorporating uh, an individual exchange. I believe that was with Get Insured out, uh, out of California. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, these exchange solutions are finding ways to really pull together the COBRA eligible, the retirees the, um, you know, part-time workers and offer them benefits in ways that they've never been offered before.
0: So one of the, you know, one of the statements that we heard last week on the program was that if you've seen one private exchange, you've seen one private exchange that very much applies in this con in Absolutely. this uh, context, right?
1: Absolutely. So that's, you know, we want to thank Shandon at benefit focus for his contribution in this, um, uh, this magazine, um, you know, elsewhere, I wrote a piece about health plan exchanges, mm-hmm. and you know the single carrier model. You know, Bloom Health, who's going to be on the program today, they have been an early proponent. You know, going back to two thousand nine, as you said earlier, of the single carrier health plan exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been partners with the Blues, you know, since the beginning, and you know this is absolutely a segment of the private exchange. Market that we're going to be seeing take off this open enrollment period.
0: Now, if you look at if you look at the um, you know single carrier model, multi carrier model, do you do you see um, you know do you see the single carrier model as you mentioned kind of taking off quicker than the multi carrier, or is it still yet to be seen? Kind of. In the I mean, lip-
1: you know, it, it depends on the organization. Um, you know, it's absolutely possible that certain workforces maybe are not ready for the extent of, you know, consumer choice offered in a multi-carrier platform. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, for a lot of companies, a lot of HR and benefit decision makers across the country, if they have, let's say, a good relationship with Blue Cross Blue Shield Arizona, right now it very well may be the best selection for them to go into the single carrier model.
0: Okay, and then maybe maybe look to morph to a multi-carrier model down the road, or
2: yeah, perhaps or that's
0: still all to be determined. I think we're you know maybe a little early in, in the in the maturation of all this, and Absolutely. and you know it could people could look to go multiple different ways, and I think. You know, I think looking at all these, again, if you've seen one exchange, you've seen one exactly. exchange. And our, you know, our main goal is to kind of show every different exchange. And one of the things that you know, you're the architect of around privatehealthcareexchanges.com, we're seeing that every day and what you have to do from an aggregation standpoint with that side as well. Yeah, and
1: um, really one of the main messages of the single-care exchanges is that the health plans at this point cannot afford to not aggressively play in the private exchange space. I mean, if you look at the Accenture numbers that are, you know, cited all the time, um, these exchanges are actually going to be enrolling more Americans than the federal and state-run exchanges in just a few years.
0: Right now, you in your piece that you wrote, you know, titled "Health Plan Exchanges Begin to Take Off," you you kind of mentioned the study that Array Health had put out um, that we talked about last week on the program, where you know it was. There was 88 um, people, you know, actually surveyed for this. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that really caught my eye is that 99% of those 88 people surveyed, meaning, you know, top benefit people inside companies, 99% of them were aware of a private exchange, which, Mm -hmm. which really caught my eye. You know, I thought I knew it was out there. I knew that there was a lot of buzz around it, but I didn't expect that number.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, you know, we've been, you know, fairly aggressively covering this space since March 2013, when we launched healthcare exchange solutions. Mm-hmm. At that point, I don't think that number was anywhere near 99%. <laughs> right. Not at all. I think. So, you know, from us, you know, going back to the early days where we're covering liaison, you know, four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, to us, that seems a very high number.
0: I think, um, you know, one of these pieces that you have here is also from Frank Mingert, who he's the partner and director of private exchange technology for eBenefit Marketplace. And we had Frank on the program uh, a couple programs ago and and really talked about what he was doing. But he talks about the inevitable shift to define contribution. Um, Kind of give the audience a feel for what the, the gist of the article was.
1: Yeah, I mean, great piece by Frank, and we appreciate his contribution Um, He's going to be with us at Forum West this year in Las Vegas as a speaker. So, you know, we're excited to have him. And, you know, not all exchanges are going to be using the defined contribution funding. But, you know, employers and employees alike are seeing, you know, the benefits here. And it's absolutely going to take off. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So they, you know, and I think one of the things that Frank mentions in his piece, he said most employers that offer coverage do so because they care about their employees and they need to retain and attract the best talent they can in a way that has become an extremely, you know, competitive job market. And I think if you look at the exchanges, going back to what you had mentioned, um, you know, with with kind of the shoveling, um, as we like to say, shoveling people into the right exchange that might be right mm-hmm. for them. We're, when we might hear about it more on the program today, is that a lot of the non people who are non-eligible for benefits, there might be an option for them now with some of these exchanges that are emerging and allowing an employer to remain competitive in the marketplace.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think um, you know there's a lot of trends going on, and, and you know as Jonathan mentioned, you know this will be up on. Um, on the website later today uh, for everybody to really access. I think if if you look at the private exchange trends, you know, I know we talk a lot about private exchanges, but at the end of the day, private exchanges are, you know, really healthcare consumerism on steroids. So all the elements that we really talk about through the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism in terms of plan design, from the major medical piece all the way down through transparency, health advocacy, which is big, big, big. I'm talking to a lot of companies right now around health advocacy. Um, benefit communication education is is awfully important right now especially going into the open enrollment period i mean i think if you're a broker consultant out there listening right now you know how can you you know educate and communicate your employer clients employee population around the best benefit uh plan that's that's available for them and what they should be choosing whether it's going on to these exchange platforms or whether it's it's not going on to these exchange platforms we talk about it all the time private exchange might not be right for everybody Um, some employers what we're seeing from a trend standpoint are moving to a full replacement high deductible type plan and they might have in their thinking hey we're going to go to to a private exchange platform we're just kind of taking the wait and see approach but let us take first the step to have our employee population really start think, thinking like consumers of health and healthcare, and then move them to that platform. So I know the, one of the features here, Jonathan, that you had in the issue was, um, you know, the growing pains for the private health care insurance exchanges. Kind um, of talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, thanks, Brent. I mean, we actually have a, a wonderful contribution, and I want to thank the team at Accenture for putting this together for us. I mean, they've really emerged as the thought leaders over the past few months with their, you know, enrollment estimations and their thought leadership in the private exchange area. And, you know, this article is talking about the hyper growth of private exchanges, mm-hmm. which is, you know, pretty amazing to read. Um, the market is absolutely on fire right now. And, you know, if... We, um, you know, look at their projections. We might see as many as 6 million additional Americans being served by private exchanges by the end of this fall.
0: Yeah, going to be very interesting. And I think IHC Forum West, um, for everybody that's November 10th through 12th um, in Las Vegas, Nevada, I think you've got a couple different dynamics that are going to take place there. Obviously, we've got, um, you know, some of the – Jonathan mentioned that Frank Menger will be there doing a – doing a workshop and also Shandon Fowler we do have benefit focus mm-hmm. as a uh, sponsor of the event as well Shandon is going to come in and and do a workshop with one of his clients around what Jonathan mentioned is you know benefits for the whole work workforce right. and so you know would love for everybody if you haven't signed up to attend that event you know please do so i mean you're going to get some really good information on private exchanges um along with all the other pieces we talk about healthcare consumerism and i really want to stress that um you know that's a bit, you know, big piece of what everybody's looking at, and and the market's moved to really embrace healthcare consumerism. So we do um, have the uh, summer super saver rates, ninety nine dollars for you to attend. Come out there and uh, we'd love to have you. And for everybody on this program, we're about to wrap up here. But uh, if you're listening, the discount for um, privatehealthcareexchange.com, all caps, IHC Radio, and uh, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Hey everybody, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. and You've heard us talk a lot about private healthcare exchanges on the program. For anyone who's interested in listening to this program now, visit privatehealthcareexchanges.com and enter promo code IHCRadio for special discounts on subscriptions to the site.
1: This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine understand Obamacare, and learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system.
2: Certification. Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry. Download our certification overview and learn more at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. This is America's Webradio.com the best-in-chat radio designed just for you.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. And um, as we mentioned in the News and Views um, segment here, we've actually got Jim Preby, who's the COO at uh, Bloom Health, joining us on this segment to really talk about uh, private exchanges and the emergence of specialty benefit offerings. Jim, welcome to the program.
3: Ah, thank you. Good morning, everyone.
0: How are you doing?
3: I'm doing great today. How about yourself?
0: Oh, good. So you're in the uh, the wild, wild west of the the private exchange market. How's it feeling?
3: Feeling good, and it does feel at times a little bit like the wild, wild west. But uh, keeps us uh, definitely on our toes, and, and we're really excited about the things yeah. that we're doing at Bloom. So, and where the market's going.
0: Now, Jim, tell tell our audience a little bit about uh, Bloom Health.
3: Yeah. So uh, Bloom Health, you know, our, our focus is around the consumer, and uh, we really look for the consumer to provide information, educate, gain that trust and confidence in Bloom that, that they feel good about the benefit elections they're making, not only for their medical products, but for any types of specialty or ancillary products and really thinking about how they view benefits in totality and, and making sure that we can help that consumer. That, that's our primary focus.
0: Now, when, um now, Jim, in today's market, you know, what are employers looking for when it comes to their em- employee benefit offerings?
3: Yeah, at Bloom, you know, we're finding today employers are looking for a few things when it comes to their company-sponsored benefit options. It's, it's really one to improve predictability and control when it comes to the cost of their programs. Um, also, to provide their employees with an attractive benefit benefits model that em- enhances employee retention. And really reduce the burden of HR staff and increase employee knowledge and know-how when it comes to selection of benefits.
0: Now, when um, you know we see in this marketplace, and as you know, kind of exchanges were really taken off a few years ago, you had a lot of debate back and forth. Was it going to be kind of the Costco model, um, where you kind of stock the shelves with everything and allow the employee population to come in and and shop for their benefits, or was it going to be a scaled-down approach? um, in terms of the exchange. And I think, I think there's both models that are emerging out there. Um, but if you look at, if you look at the products that are going to sit inside of these exchanges, you know, what, what's the benefit of more products or less products sitting in these exchanges from a specialty benefit standpoint?
3: Yeah. From a, from a specialty standpoint, uh, that's a, that's a good question. You know, we, The marketplace is really experiencing a lot of rapid growth and and a lot of interest from employers and, like you mentioned uh, earlier, the the wild, wild west. But what we're we're finding is that as we continue to evolve, we need to be able to have a a broad set of products that really meet the range of consumer needs. Mm -hmm. And as we think about those specialty products, it's important to make sure that those specialty products work with their core medical products and sometimes um, supplementing are providing uh, you know, areas of gap protection um, inside those medical plans, looking at it as a totality of, of package. So we're really looking at it and saying that it's, it doesn't make sense to have a uh, wide open, uh, a la carte here, you pick what you need, because what we really focus on, again, is the consumers. And right now it's educating and trusting them that how all of those specialty products work
4: mm-hmm. in
3: totality with their benefit package is really important. And at the same time, kind of expanding capabilities um, and increase the offerings around that as we think about the growing demands and employers and employees. But uh, right now, we don't think it's a a big, wide shelf of those products. It's a more narrow set that actually fits uh, the consumer needs with variety within those uh, products to be able to expand both from a cost and coverage perspective.
0: Now, Jim, when you look at... um You know, what the employee consumers are, are their buying habits are on these exchanges that, um, you know, that are out there, whether it's your exchange or others out there. You know, some of the talk has been that the employee consumer is buying down in terms of, um, in terms of benefits. Is that, you know, whether it's, it's buying a, an HSA with a high deductible, is that really the value to have? That specialty, you know, that robust specialty benefit offering and the communication of where those fit—you'd mentioned filling gaps in care—but is that the importance of these specialty benefits? Um,
3: I I would say that's not the the key driver of the the need to have the specialty. I think there's two pieces to um, why the specialty products are are critical to have in in the exchange environment, and I I think it goes back to one point I made earlier around you know why we're we're doing this and what employers are looking for. Um, one of them is around HR simplification. You know, at Bloom we bring a curated product shelf to an employer, so we allow HR to focus on the things that help them retain employees and train and educate, and things that they really want to uh, work in the HR field to do. Not not compare plan documents and read those things. So, one of it is just focusing on HR simplification and bringing a set of products that. Uh, within a, an exchange environment, an employee can go enroll in and in, in select a variety of different benefits and, and meet those needs and not have to have um, different places to go select a dental plan versus a vision plan and a life and disability over a medical. So that's, that's one of them. And then, and then two is an aspect of how employees view their benefits. And we're really moving at Bloom in a direction that brings a benefit package mindset to the employee, not just a single election of a medical plan, a dental plan, and a vision plan, mm-hmm. but how do those things work together based on that core medical plan that's so important that you purchase and have? How? Do, what are those needs you need beyond that? And then what other needs do you need in life to protect you, either financially or, or where you're going, or plan or save for health care in the future?
0: Now, Jim, when you, you you talked about the simple simplification process, the... Um you know, when you're looking to work with these specialty benefit carriers, um, you know how do you how do you work with them to identify what are the right benefit offerings to, to really offer to that employee population?
3: Yeah. So one is really we focus on market feedback. Um, we work with you know the carriers to understand what set of products would both cover the market needs um, and then fit Balloon's unique user experience. Um, something we do different than anyone else in the private exchange space. And then we start to um, really innovate and push the envelope on relevant products to make to make sure they work in an exchange environment. Um, so we really take into consideration a lot of feedback, both from uh, brokers, agents, out in the marketplace, employers, consumers, carrier data and feedback, and then take that all together and design products. And we, we like to think of it as putting a product family out in front of someone that's going to meet uh, the needs of, of the varying um uh, populations they have in their organization um, within a carrier environment. And so that's that's really the process we go through
0: there. Now, for, for the audience out there, you know, if you are a, a carrier out there listening to this, um, you know, what's kind of the, you know, the ramp up to get the offering onto, onto your exchange or to the employer's exchange that they would like to offer? What's the implementation process to get that product there?
3: Yeah, so we don't... Um, we we have a process, where we don't just go out and work with with every carrier. Our, our goal is to partner with um, a handful of carriers that understand the concept behind exchange, mm-hmm. know that it's not about just putting out um, the Costco model and just you know stocking the shelf with a bunch of products and hoping someone purchases a uh, purchases those products. So we're we're working closely with our partners and, and those carriers that want to be partners with Balloon and. I'm Still very interested in talking to more carriers around that, but the process takes anywhere from I'd say you know 90 days to 120 days, and it really depends on the, the product sets um, that they want to make available and how those work within the exchange environment.
0: Now, when you look at these, you know, all the the partnerships you're creating with these these carriers out there, how is that impacting the the employer and that employee po- population? Yeah.
3: Um, So by combining those new specialty products and carry relationships um, with expanded administrative capabilities around those, employers are now able to obtain their benefits, administration, and private insurance exchange through one really sophisticated technology that provides a single consumer enrollment experience and streamlined tools for the employer. Mm -hmm. We bring all that together for both the consumer and the employer.
0: Now, if you look um, from a communication education standpoint, what's been the – What's been the feedback from your, your book of business on on the education and the communication that's needed to really, um, you know, make sure that everybody understands the shift that's, that's been made to this exchange?
3: Yeah, so we, as I mentioned earlier, our, our focus is around those consumers and, you know, giving them a trusted advisor. And, and you know, we have data that we do a lot of surveying and, and things around the consumers interact with us. And, you um, in a recent uh, survey of our population, 90 per, 92% of people interacted with an uh, advisor at Bloom Health said that their advisor went above and beyond, and, and that's critical. So we spend the time, we spend the energy um, and the resources to make sure that com- consumers feel comfortable and have that trusted component in there as they, they make these important benefit decisions.
0: Now, Kind of going going back to the you know the specialty benefits that that are going to be offered on these exchanges. You mentioned some of them, the dental division, um, and some of those other components. Do you see other offerings um, emerging down the road as private exchanges continue to get their their legs behind them?
4: Absolutely. So
3: you know we we've recently added and continue to expand around the products you mentioned, life, disability, supplemental products. Um, we also have ongoing dialogue with employers, with others out there in the marketplace, to how do we expand that? Not Sometimes those are going to be insurance products, and sometimes those are going to be services. The important aspect of that is, though, those have to be products and services that are relevant uh, for consumers and for employers. Uh, it's not just about having something out there um, that isn't relevant, uh, but make sure that it's relevant and it ties to the overall value of a benefits offering and what consumers really want and need in the marketplace
0: now from uh if you were to look into your crystal ball and and say you know there's a lot of projections out there on the number of people that will be enrolled in in private exchanges you know between now and 2018 kind of what's uh what's your opinion where do you see the market moving
3: yeah we're really excited and and you you know there's a lot of great uh Great information out on the market growth. I would tell you that uh, we're really excited to see the market take off. We think the the mid-market, the larger markets are going to start to adopt um, in greater fashion here in the upcoming year. Um, It's really taken off. There's a lot of interest. We're excited. Um, We really see those predictions holding and and coming true and, and potentially exceeding them.
0: Now, Jim, we got about a, a minute left, and just want to let you kind of leave our audience with one good takeaway um, on you know what they should be looking at when it comes to kind of your topic on you know private exchanges and the emergent specialty benefit offerings.
3: Yeah, I would tell you that one of the things that's really important as you think about Bloom Health and the things that are going on is that offering of a full integrated employer solution for all benefit eligible populations with insurance and non-insurance consumer products that are relevant, point in time, that makes sense from a consumer perspective, really focusing on that consumer relationship and how we enhance not only that consumer relationship but how we simplify that HR process and really bring together the health plans, the insurance companies, the agents, the brokers, and the employer In a new world and a new way to explore and and really buy benefits from a consumer perspective and an employer perspective, that makes sense and get those um, benefits in in the right capacity at the right time at the right point in a consumer's life.
0: Hey, Jim, we really appreciate having you on the program today. We'd love to have you back at some point to kind of get updated on on where you guys are and where you see the market um, at a later date. So have a great weekend up there. And uh, to the rest of our audience, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumers and Radio. Hey, everybody. Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And it's that time again. I want to make you aware of IHC Forum West, November 10th through 12th at the Red Rock Casino in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. We do have $99 super saver rates now available. Visit our website, theihcc.com, to register. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak.
2: Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and listen to the Doctor's Lounge, where you get a private insight into the conversations that doctors
0: have amongst themselves. Join us Thursday, 8 a.m. every week.
4: Solution providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our solution provider membership marketing program. Through IHC's exclusive solution provider membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand. And shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director Brent Macy today at bmacy at the ihcc.com.
5: Did you miss
3: the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com
0: anytime you like. This is americaswebradio.com. The best-in-chat radio designed just for you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumers Radio. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, along with Jonathan Field. Um, we've got on this segment who it's been a past guest with us before. We've got Eric Wrench, and he is the COO of Code64. Eric, welcome to the program.
4: Thanks so much, guys. Uh,
0: how Good you back. been doing? <laughs>
4: been doing very well thanks had a very busy summer things are going well so i'm excited to be back here
0: well i bet i bet it's about to get even busier for you huh with open enrollment emerging right
4: yeah i think so this is going to be a busy fourth quarter um a lot of moving parts this year, so it's going
0: to be busy. And I think you know, I was kind of Eric's been on the program with us before, and I was listening to a segment uh, yesterday the, from the past segment. And Eric, I know you had mentioned that you were going to kind of elaborate a little bit on that past segment and some of the things that you had mentioned um, last time you're on the program is is really the attention to. Uh, you know, detail in the health and benefit space from from the uh, brokers consultants out there and then winning in this current environment and fast forward to now with with benefit advisors in the two, 2014 open enrollment period kind of where you know where do you see the employers top concerns right now as we're going into 2014
4: well it's uh, a really good question it's a big question um, I think we kind of have to break it down into, you know, oversimplifying things a little bit, but into two employer segments. Um, I, you know, we think about things that our small employers are going to be experiencing, and we think about things that brokers are going to be helping large employers deal with. Um, and it's going to be a very different experience for both, obviously, the employer mandate driving those key differences. So for small groups, you know, their top concerns going into this year's open enrollment Um, Last year, you know, Obama provided a reprieve, grandfathering of of small group policies that were not ACA compliant, so you have a lot of small employers that this year, some carriers are actually enabling them to extend that, um, but they're going to want to evaluate the market. They're going to want to know, you know, what are our options. Um, You also have some that are considering dropping their plans altogether. Uh, They don't have a penalty when they're under 50 employees under the law. So for them, the question is, is it worth the same benefit that it was before now that the individual marketplace is guarantee issue? Mm-hmm. They're very complicated issues. Um, there's a lot of considerations that have to go into that. You know, Would my employees benefit from pre-tax group benefits more than individual marketplace subsidies? So I think a lot of employers in the small group market have a concern now, meaning in August, September, October, before open enrollment, which is let's do some analysis to really determine what our strategy is.
0: Okay. Now, you're, now, your model there at Code64 is really to help these advisors um, as much as you can around these different elements. Is that correct, around around how they That's can help That's exactly
4: them? right. So, okay. you know, we like to say we're the strategic back office to the independent benefits agency. You know, we help with the uh, – we put technology behind the analytics and the data. We make sure that, you know, everything's – compliance reviewed and audited so that things aren't being reinvented, you know, the wheel's not being reinvented every single time you engage a client. So we make things efficient for the agency uh, with world-class materials.
0: Now, when you look, you know, kind of at the the brokers that you work with, the consultants out there, the, the advisors, you know, what actions are the benefit brokers taking right now to prepare for open enrollment?
4: So for those small groups, they're preparing, I think, for quoting demands, uh, they're they're doing their best to get ahead of those pricing discussions. Just take one client for example, right? Let's say it's a um, you know it's a school system with 30 employees, and um, you know they may want to evaluate 20, 30 small group products, and they may also want to talk about individual marketplace products. So suddenly, for one client, you might be quoting double what you used to be before.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: For large groups, it's a much different discussion. You know, the challenges employers have going into this year's open enrollment as a large group is for those over 100 life employers that need to be fully compliant with the employer mandate on um, 1-1, they've got to assess stability periods. They've got to look at whether they need to determine who's full-time, who's part-time. A lot of employers have done that analysis to some extent at this point, although there are many that still need to do that. And they've, they've evaluated the cost and said, wow, this is going to be an expensive change for us. It's expensive for companies to continue to offer benefits. Wow. So they're obviously exploring cost-effective solutions, like to find contribution on a private exchange. Um, others that haven't really made that leap yet are looking at you know cost-sharing changes to their plan. So in that regard, one of their big concerns for open enrollment this year is, how do we communicate this to our employees? How do we help them understand what we're changing here and why? and why our employees are still protected and we still value them. So the role of the benefits advisor through that, the actions they're taking now, is many of them are are getting ahead of open enrollment. They're scheduling meetings, um, not with employees, but with the decision makers, so that they can budget enough time during that open enrollment to really be there for the employee and to be able to support them and explain, you know, why a company may be going from a $500 $500 deductible to a $2,000 deductible uh, and why that's okay and, you know, what additional coverages they have available to them. And uh, that's happening more and more and more. Um, one of the products I'm sure you guys have seen is um, these minimum essential coverage plans or skinny medical products. hmm Those are things that are complicated for employees to understand. So brokers are preparing now for that by making sure they have the time to be there during those significant changes.
0: Now, if you, if um, and this is just a question, is it enough for that employer and their team of brokers or or their broker just individually, is it enough for them to say, hey, we had to make these changes because of of the health care law? Or or do you have to have more substance than that um, when addressing the employee populations of these changes?
4: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, um, you know, that's obviously a nice uh, fallback, um, meaning from the position of the employer, how the employee receives that is, you know, going to be better understood than, hey, we're simply cutting this because Mm -hmm. our budgets are down. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, that employee still has higher cost exposure than they had before. So the best communication programs will actually combine why we made this change with why we still think you're protected and secure. And that often comes with maybe introduction of supplemental insurance products mm-hmm. or a more robust communication plan to drive adoption of HSAs mm-hmm. uh, and encourage employees to put more savings into that so that they can roll that over year over year and protect themselves from out-of-pocket cost and exposure. So I think it, it it's enough to start with that, but you really need to finish with, actually helping the employee know what to do from there um, and helping them really be responsible consumers of healthcare.
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, I agree with you completely. I think if you see the trend out there, um, I wonder if you agree. I mean, the trend is that employers are looking at the full replacement, you know, high deductible type plans and then Absolutely. wrapping wrapping the supplemental health product, products in there to fill gaps in care and, and – you know is that going to be the end game for the employer and say hey i'm just going to go to this full replacement program you know with these consumerism type elements wrapped around it so i'm creating better consumer health or is it going to be as you heard in the the prior segment with uh, Jim at Bloom Health are you going to move to a private exchange that's you know that could be the next step for some employers out there with a defined contribution model are you are you kind of predicting that that happens or
4: yeah, absolutely. I would agree with you. I, I, I would actually, um, I'd say it like this. Let's say we start from a very common standpoint where a lot of employers have maybe one or two plan options, you know, a PPO and maybe a high-deductible mm-hmm. uh, plan for the PPOs to buy-up. Um, and, yeah, a good first step would be a full replacement product, um, moving to a higher deductible, and that's the only offering you have. I think from there, you're going to find some companies – are very enthusiastic about their benefits programs. There are a certain percentage of companies that um, believe in the power of benefits as a competitive advantage and their industry is very competitive for talent. You know, professional services organizations, law firms, technical recruiting firms, you know, these skilled labor uh, employers, that they're never going to drop their benefits plan And so what they'll look at is a more active product, something they can more actively manage, like a uh, benefits captive or a self-funded plan Mm -hmm. that they can pair with very engaging health management programs. Now, I think a lot of exchanges are looking down the road and seeing that, and they see that as an opportunity for their technology to play a role. It's not that they're mutually exclusive. It's simply that today, because of where the private exchange space is, that would be a solution for an employer that's looking for choice, but is also looking for administrative ease, and it's a, it's a mechanism for them to, you know, simplify their model, whereas a self-funded plan with health management really does complicate the model, though it comes with a different set of returns and benefits.
0: Now, when you look at um, your business there internally, you know, at Code 6-4, what, you know, what are some of the most important strategies that you're recommending to insurance brokers as they, you know, adapt and try to grow their agencies uh, internally?
4: So um, I appreciate that question. What, what, what we really uh, try and encourage our member agencies to look at is um, – Two things I guess I'll pick, there's a lot, but um, two things that are really important. One of them is from a, a cost structure standpoint, when you're operating an agency, to maintain profitability, benefits agencies need to be looking at every possible lever they can pull to increase the efficiency of their business. Um, technology tools, uh, you know, partnerships with uh, experts in the industry, whether those are law firms or accounting firms or, or others. Um, to bring more efficiency to the way they operate um, and and try not to be the person doing everything on your own. So that's really about a cost control discussion. The second is really from a revenue standpoint, um, looking at other product lines like voluntary benefits is important, but I think the more important trend is actually to look at fee-based consulting as a source of revenues. Um, And this is something that because of the complexity in the market, is a big opportunity for agencies to really uh, you know, expand their expertise and go to clients and position that value and operate on a fee-based model. That's something that's definitely gaining traction, and we encourage a lot of our members to go down that route, and we help them do that.
0: Eric, we got about a, a minute left on the program. Kind of, kind of, give us one, you know, good takeaway, and, and then let the audience know how they can can find you um, if they're interested in doing some business.
4: Great. Um, I would say one key takeaway is that you know this year's open enrollment is really going to be um, where the proof is in the pudding with a lot of things. A lot of employers have this year to kind of make their decisions um, in a big way in a response to the ACA and. Um, It'll be the first chance where we have a large set of case studies, so to speak, around what's working. So um, prepare now uh, as a benefits agency. Support those employers. Employers, you know, do the due diligence today um, and and really get on the game because this is going to be the most important time that I think we've seen since, you know, uh, the Affordable Care Act was rolled out. Uh, As far as getting in touch with us, you could go to our website, www.code64.com, that's all spelled out, and uh, always reach out to me as well.
0: Hey, I really appreciate you having, uh, having you back on the program today, and uh, have a great weekend up there. And to the rest of our audience, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio.
2: Membership. Are you an IHC member? Access to the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's Breaking News industry trends, expert blogs, and networking with IHC's industry-wide member community. IHC membership puts you at the focal point of the dynamic health and benefit industry, allowing you to join the conversation and collaborate with industry stakeholders and your peers. Your IHC membership includes a subscription to Healthcare Consumerism Solutions Magazine, Healthcare Exchange Solutions Magazine, Annual Publications Healthcare Solutions Superstars, and Healthcare Solutions Outlook a free white paper, and much more. Sign up as a free IHC member or $99 premium IHC member today at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. Did
3: you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
0: Hey, everybody. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And you've heard us talk a lot about private healthcare exchanges on the program. For anyone who's interested in listening to this program now, visit privatehealthcareexchanges.com and enter promo code IHCRadio for special discounts on subscriptions to the site. This is americaswebradio.com the best-in-chat radio designed just for you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Healthcare Consumerism Radio. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, joined by Jonathan Field, Editorial Director here at the Institute. And joining us on the program today is David Lindgren. He is the uh, Compliance Officer for Flexible Benefit Service Corporation. David, welcome to the program.
5: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, you bet. Um, to kind of give us uh, give us a little background on um, you know your company, Flex, and, and we'll get some more into kind of your topic, private exchanges for niche markets.
5: Sure. Uh, well, we're uh, based out of uh, Rosemont, Illinois, just a, a suburb of Chicago. Uh, kind of have three primary divisions. We uh, we are we're a third party benefits administrator for cafeteria plans, health reimbursement arrangements, and those types of accounts. Uh, We are also a benefits administrator at a wholesale level and work with a few thousand insurance agents throughout the country. And uh, for about the past two years, we've actually launched our own private insurance exchange. We refer to it as Insurex Solutions that has uh, more or less evolved into an exchange that uh, uh, specializes in niche markets.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, is there kind of one of the things, and we all talk about private exchanges and And the statement is, if you've seen one exchange, you've seen one exchange. But is there such a thing as a a traditional private exchange in your mind?
5: Uh, You know, in terms of the the capabilities and and the different different technological components, you know, there's probably not a lot of similarity. But when we take a look at the private exchanges that are out in the market, most seem to target – Uh, specific segments. Uh, Most of the private exchanges we're seeing are targeting larger employers, uh, targeting uh, the full-time employee population, uh, targeting uh, generally uh, group health-based plans, uh, oftentimes self-insured plans. We're not seeing a lot of private exchanges yet uh, that are really targeting, you know, smaller businesses or the retiree market. Uh, or part-time employees, or exchanges that are using individual health plans—you know—outside of, of course, the, the the public health insurance marketplace. So, um, you know, really, you, you know, that's where we're we're defining the niche market is, is is really in the segments that that private exchanges are
0: targeting. So, you, so you're kind of the the latter ones that you mentioned. That's the target for the, your Insurex um, platform. Is more of these niche markets and and being able to offer something to an employee population that they're not going to be able to get from these other exchanges that are are necessarily out there.
5: Correct, correct. So ours would target, you know, smaller businesses, retirees, part-time employees, and, and the like.
0: Now, when you look, um, you know, as the, the compliance officer there, you know, when you look at the compliance issue for these these niche markets, um, you know, what what are some of the compliance issues that you see?
5: Sure. Well, we, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, in particular in the small business segment, you know, year after year, small businesses are struggling to, to find affordable coverage for their employees. And, uh, you know, depending on, on the marketplace you're in, you know, usually it's only about 30 to 40 percent of small employers are offering, you know, a group benefit health insurance package to their employees, Mm-hmm. And we've seen a lot of them looking towards the individual marketplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with the individual marketplace is based on some, some guidance that was issued by the IRS and the Department of Labor and the Department of Health and Human Services. It generally is prohibiting uh, these small businesses from giving pre-tax dollars to, to their employees. So, if a small business were going to, to look into uh, you know the the opportunity of transitioning their employees to the individual market, you generally have to do that with after-tax dollars. And then we also have the, the ERISA component that we have to be concerned with. Uh, if, if an employer is giving funds for the sole purpose of purchasing health insurance coverage, that means that that individual market coverage would generally be subject to group market regulations such as COBRA, Medicare secondary payer rules, and others that individual plans just can't satisfy. So, so generally when you're shifting to after tax dollars, you got to let those employees use those funds, uh, you know, really at their own discretion for insurance coverage or for other reasons. And so, you know, there are some, some drawbacks to that model, but there's also drawbacks to the traditional group model that really is becoming unaffordable for several small businesses.
0: Now when you look, um, you had mentioned these niche markets, so kind of elaborate on, on, on some of these niche markets that you guys um, either do business with or are looking to to uh, target from a prospect standpoint.
5: Sure. So you know the retiree market's been a big opportunity. You know for ourselves and similar agencies alike. Uh, we've seen you know really started in the automobile industry. Uh, you know with you know Fortune 500 companies transitioning outside of traditional group retiree coverage to a retiree health reimbursement arrangement. That just uh, gives uh, that retiree and possibly their spouse a lump sum of dollars, and this still can be done on a pre-tax basis. But gives that uh, that employee and their spouse, or I'm sorry, that retiree and their spouse, uh, you know, let's just say you know three thousand dollars per year, and then and then those employees can access those funds to either reimburse out-of-pocket medical expenses mm-hmm. or pay for things like a Medicare supplement plan, a Medicare Part D plan, a Medicare Advantage plan. Possibly dental or vision coverage, and uh, and that's a marketplace that uses individual-based policies for those retirees and their spouses. And that's a marketplace that we're helping uh, transition to that platform if it makes sense for that particular employer.
0: No, as the um, you know as the compliance officer there, when when you're working with your your broker partners that you have and built throughout the years, and then also working with the employer clients. What is you know what's the discussion around the compliance issue? Are they aware that there's certain regulations that that they have to adhere to um, or is it is it your job there as the solution provider to come in and and make them aware of all the compliance issues um, that are right for that employee population and the product?
5: Yeah, so I mean, I mean generally you know the solution that we would recommend would would vary by employer mm-hmm. uh, or, or unique situation. And, uh, and any compliance issue that may exist, we try to make recommendations to you know, get around or overcome those compliance issues. But ultimately, uh, there is a discussion that's had. Uh, there are some written materials that are provided that, uh, that spell out what the compliance concerns are. And, and our goal is not to implement a plan that is not that is non-compliant. Our goal is to, to help help these these employers transition to a private exchange model that is compliant and that is beneficial to both the employer and the employee from a cost savings perspective.
0: Okay, and you've touched on it here as well, but can a small business, you know, really help employees pay for individual market coverage? Now, that was something that you had defined here earlier. That's an IRS regulation that they wrote, correct? Right. so,
5: So really, there's been three sets of guidance that have come out, one in January 2013, Uh, I would say probably the more significant guidance came out in September of last year, and they they issued uh, uh, some frequently asked questions information this past May. Uh, But generally speaking, uh, they refer to an employer that gives uh, an employee money for the purchase of individual market coverage. They refer to that in the regulations as an employer payment plan. And uh, they specifically state if that's done on a pre-tax basis, it's going to violate uh, certain uh, Affordable Care Act market reforms, such as the requirements to provide coverage for essential health benefits with unlimited annual and lifetime maximums, as well as the requirement to cover preventive care at 100%. And by definition, these employer payment plans, you know, uh, for lack of better terms, you know, usually called health re- health reimbursement arrangements or HRAs. Uh, generally, by definition, have a cap on that annual limit, and generally uh, would not cover preventive care at 100%. So, so the, the big concern is, is you know, where, where an employer could provide pre-tax dollars to employees for traditional group coverage, uh, they generally need to be doing so with after-tax dollars if they're going to be helping these employees purchase coverage in the individual market. And, of course, you know, that means there's payroll taxes that have to be absorbed by the employer on those contributions. There's income taxes that apply to the uh, employee along with those payroll taxes. And then, of course, you know, for employees that are eligible for subsidies in the exchange, you know, ultimately their modified adjusted gross income is what determines their eligibility and the amount of their subsidy. And when you're increasing their taxable income, that can have an impact on, on what or if they receive a subsidy. And so, you know there's you know while we would love for for these small businesses to be able to do this on a pre-tax basis uh generally speaking the the IRS regulations and the supporting agency guidelines tell these small businesses that if they do it they could be subject to an excise tax of $100 per applicable employee mm-hmm. per day which is $36,500 per employee per year which you know can put a small business
0: right, and a out of
5: business so you know, if they're going to do this, they have to understand it is taxable income and what the ramifications of that taxable income is. Uh, is it a perfect solution? Probably not. But the current situation for many of these businesses offering these traditional group plans, uh, seeing these renewal increases year after year, has put them in a in really a tough spot where where this seems to be a, a much simpler approach, and it does give those those employees the ability to enroll in coverage from any individual market carrier uh, that, that's available where they live, can purchase and you know, enroll in any plan that, that meets uh, their, their, their budgets. You know, it could be an HMO, a PPO, an HSA, so it really does sort of give them an exchange-like experience because they have uh, you know, virtually a limitless number of plans to choose from. Again the drawback being we're using taxable dollars.
0: David, we really appreciate you having you on the, the program today. Kind of let our audience know where they can find you guys.
5: Sure. If you want to take a look at our uh, our exchange, it's insurexsolutions.com. Uh, we also have another domain, shopgetcovered.com. Uh, and we'd love to have you, you take a look at our site. And if there's any interest, uh, give us a call or an email, and we'll be glad to answer any questions we can.
0: All right, David, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the program. Have a, have a great weekend up there in Chicago. And to the rest of our audience, again, if you want access to uh, discounted rates on privatehealthcareexchanges.com, type in all caps IHC radio for that discount. And we will see you next Friday on Healthcare Consumerism Radio.